power of a good story, right? The power of good words. Um, we're concluding a mini-series today, two weeks. A series called good, Give Thanks. It's, it's uh, hey, what else? It's uh, Thanksgiving, right? I want to talk to you uh, about something very important today and this idea of sharing good words with a message titled, I Command You. And if you notice, you is spelled differently. It's a Greek word, E-U, which means good. I want you to hear what I'm hearing from the Lord today, and I have been hearing for a long time, that God is challenging me to speak good God words. Here's what happens when we do that. When we speak God's good words, someone starts working, and that someone is God. When we speak good words, someone gets stronger. When you share words with others like that, it strengthens them. Someone starts to believe that God's Son wants to shine on them. Now, that's what we talked about last week. And although sharing that is a very good idea, it is a very, very good idea to share good words. I want to focus on something even higher than that today. That it's not only a good idea, it's a command. It's a command. I command you. We're going to look at some words from the greatest Christian leader ever, Paul. The greatest one ever. And we're going to see him sharing about how we should share good words with one another as Christians and the vital importance to share good words with unbelievers. So that's where we're going today. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I pray today that you would open our ears, open our hearts, that you would quicken us to speak and to hear and to do your good word. In Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul is amazing to me. He is a guy whose whole life changed. He had a heart of stone, and then his heart of stone melted into a heart of love, and he lived his life for one reason, to magnify Jesus and to model how a person should live for Jesus. Why? Because God was so merciful to him. Has God been merciful to you? Man, he's been way more than merciful to me. And he filled Paul with the Holy Spirit, and Paul stayed filled with the Holy Spirit. You know why we need to stay filled with the Holy Spirit? Because we leak. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Uh, but he, Paul wrote these letters and was basically saying, we all can experience the same love that he experienced from Jesus, and we all can experience the same spirit that he experienced from Jesus. And why is that the case? Because Paul is basically saying God sent a new law into the universe, and he called it the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life, which is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this law of the spirit of life can set a person free. It says it can set a person free from the law of sin and death, which means there is a gravitational pull in the world that's, that leads us to hate, leads us into hardness, leads us into sin and sorrow. It's just a fixed law. And the only way to be free from that is to have a higher law working in your life, and that's called the law of the spirit of life in Jesus. And in that idea, you and I can live out the commandment of Jesus. 
And Paul's going to tell us what those commandments look like in everyday life. It's like this. I don't wake up in the morning going, you know what, man? I have to keep the law of gravity today. I've got to really try hard to keep the law of gravity. No, 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 no. The law of gravity keeps me, right? You, right? We don't even realize that. If God just said law of gravity disappeared, we'd all just go spinning off this planet. But listen, listen. The love commandments of Jesus are like the law of gravity. We don't have to keep them. They can keep us. How? They can keep us the same way the law of gravity does, by a law working in us, which is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So, if loving the Lord and loving others and listening to these verses today seem more like a have to and an obligation instead of a want to, you and I can shift into a better law, a higher law, a law with more power, and we can do what God commands us to do. Loving God and other people, according to John and James and Jesus and Paul, shouldn't be a burden. It should be a blessing. And that's for people who allow their life to become like a treasure chest, welcoming the grace of God, welcoming the love of God, welcoming the mercy of God, welcoming the forgiveness of God. Here's why. Because God's grace to us brings God's grace through us. Yeah. God's love for us brings God's love out of us. Whatever is in will come out. And Jesus said, if you live these commandments, you will have my joy in you, and your joy will be full. Right. So, here's our mission. We've talked about this last week. We're going to talk about it today. And I'm, I'm believing that I am imagining. I want you to imagine something with me. Me, you, and John Lennon. Let's imagine. Ready? Let's imagine what can happen if we do this as a mission. Raising people up through the release of God's good words. Would you say that with me? Raising people up through the release of God's good words. Imagine what could happen at your holiday gathering if you go there on a mission to do that. Imagine what can happen going into Christmas and going through Christmas. And imagine what can happen going into 2020. We all get a hold of this. You know what can happen? I'll tell you what will happen. Someone's going to start working. Someone's going to get stronger. And there will be people who will start to realize that some sun is trying to shine on their path to lead them to a life of peace. Because when we raise people up through the release of God's good words, God starts doing good things in this world. Now, that happens all because of you. That happens because of me allowing that to happen in me and through me. We're going to look at some of these commands that Paul gives us and every time, every time we see this, I want you to think like this. When you see this command, think this way. Man, if I would do this, my life would get better. If I would do this, I would make other people's lives better. If I would do what this tells me to do, 
I will dispel toxicity off my soul. I will change the atmosphere in a family gathering, perhaps. I might make Christmas actually happy for folks. <laughs> Paul gives us commands as Christians that basically are captured in this phrase I put. Raising up our brothers and our sisters, building up his body. Look at verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 4. It's a command. It's a command to stop things, and it's a command to start things. Now, think of the law of the spirit of life when you think of this. Don't think of a have to. Think of I can. Here it is. Ready? Stop this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Why? For we are all members of one body. Why are we to take falsehood off of ourselves and speak truthfully to each other? Why? Because in reality, we truly belong to each other. We are really a part of one another. So you know what that means? Paul is saying this isn't a metaphor. You are a part of each other. You are actually, not metaphorically, actually the body of Jesus Christ. And just like my body has many parts, but they are all connected and they all matter, everybody in the body is connected to one another. And you know what? I know that you say the same thing I say. If you stand out in that lobby before the 9 o'clock or before the 11 o'clock, there will be people who come in here and you know them somewhat. Some of you might even know their kid. You might even know, you know, uh, more than that. And then there are other people, you don't even know their name. You've seen them here, you don't know them yet. But you know what? If they're a Christian and you're a Christian, we're a Christian, we actually are a part of just like a physical body. There isn't somebody that's outside of it. We are all connected. And Paul says we need to stop lying to one another because when you lie to somebody else, you're lying to yourself because you are actually them. I am he and you are he and we are, and we are all together. One body. It's a reality. So we're to stop that. And this is for all of us. Not just for certain people. Not just for the staff. Not just for pastors. Not just for worship leaders. For every person. I heard David Guzik say this. Some people think the church is a pyramid. But that's not in the book of Ephesians. The church is a body. And some people think the church is a pyramid with the pastors and the spiritual leaders on top. And then others think of the church as a bus driven by the pastor, and he drives passive passengers where they should go. But God sees the church as a body and wants every part to go. You know, if you flip the pyramid upside down, there wouldn't be much support, would there? Be real, it's a command. Be truthful with others. Now, keep that connection in mind, okay? It says, okay, I'm going to be honest with people. So we think, I'm just going to say it like it is. That's not what he's meaning. Because if you hitch that verse with verse 29, look what it says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So if you're a tell it like it is, it has to have the ingredient of wholesome in it. Or it's not speaking the truth the way Jesus wants us to.
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. We're talking about brothers and sisters. We're talking about the body together. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now, everybody in here has a need. You know what that need is? We all need more money. <laughs> but we also have, huh? It's Christmas, right? My wife put this funny meme on yesterday, showed this kid trying to figure out this problem, and it said, and it said like, any of you feel like this? You've got 13 people to buy Christmas presents for, and you got 60 bucks, right? Yeah? Yeah, it's, a, it's Christmas time, right? We're all in that category together. We all need, but, oh, I didn't ask you to sing. I, stay with me. I'll let you know when it's your turn. But anyway, listen, but we all is that Denzel Washington in the front row? Anyway. <laughs> oh, don't tell me you don't love that. No. Hey. We all, have, we all have needs that we don't talk about. But you know what? If we speak God's words and release them, we might not even know we're helping somebody, but we might say something we don't even know we're saying, and it goes, boom, and it lifts that. You know what? When we speak, someone starts working. People get stronger. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may what? Benefit those who listen. Now notice this. And in the connection of that, hitch 30 to 29. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is pulsating with a passion inside the body of Christ, wanting every cell to lift up and come to the rescue of every other cell if there's a malady or if there's an infection or if there's a wound. And then verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. These are commands. Get rid of rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate. Tell me how, I mean, yeah, we can be kind without words, and yeah, we can be compassionate without words, but if our actions also have the power of the words with them, man, that's a powerful thing. Forgiving each other, and why? Just as in Christ God forgave T. McGee. Forgive others the same way I want Jesus to forgive T. McGee. Now, the Greek grammar, for all of you guys that want to dig deeper and you theologians in this room, I, I thought of you this morning. I'll give you a little bit. Here we go. The Greek grammar indicates a couple things here in these verses. The way Paul constructs these words, he's telling us two things. If you are really maturing as a believer, beautiful indicators are evident. If we're really growing up and not just growing old in church, we are bearing these, this fruit of this wholesome manifestation coming out of our lives. And the toxicity in our attitudes isn't as current as it used to be. And the second thing it's showing us is this. Maturing believers realize that these aren't options. These are commandments. These are imperatives. That the Lord himself is actually saying this. If Jesus was here today and he'd say, here's what Tim's trying to say. Uh, if Jesus was here right now, or if Paul would say, here's what I meant, it would be this. The Lord's telling everybody in this church, I command EU. <laughs> I command you, raise up your brothers and sisters. Be truthful. Don't be dishonest. But don't be truthful in an unwholesome way. Use wholesome speech when you share your heart in honesty. Say good things to each other. Build each other up. Stop making the Holy Spirit sad over the way you talk to people. 
Stop making the Holy Spirit sad over how you break down the health of your church. Throw toxic talk out. Wrap your words up in kindness and compassion and forgiveness and watch what I do in you. Watch what I do in your church. Watch what I do in your family. Watch what I do in your life circles. I command you. Now, he uses the same Greek structure when he talks about how we connect with people who aren't believers in Colossians. Look at this. If we want to reveal the Son to unbelievers, I mean, you can pray and pray and pray that one day your shadow will heal the sick. Good luck. But here's something else you can do while you're waiting on your shadow to heal the sick, even when you go to the Shadow Will Heal the Sick conference. Here's something you can do on the other days of reality. You can raise people up by releasing good words from God over them. We reveal the Son of God through our lives by the way we associate with unbelievers. Verse 5 says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every, what's the word? Opportunity. Let your what? Conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, if they're not asking, this still applies. And a lot of people aren't asking. I don't have people running up to me every week outside going, excuse me, sir, I want what you have. Excuse me, sir, I've been contemplating the deep things of the universe. Would you explain to me why you ooze with this aura of dove-likeness? I never get that. Do you get that? Let's break this down. Verse 5. Be wise, be wise in the way we are around unbelievers. That means be in the know. Be discerning. In other words, go out knowing God's working and go out looking for opportunity to work with God among people who are unbelievers. And then it says, make the most out of every what? Opportunity. That word in the Greek means that in all the seconds moments, hours, days, weeks, months, there are moments called chronos moments that God has set up. It's like he's teed up the ball for you to hit it. It's right there. Be wise looking for it, and when it happens, make the most of it, and here's how you do. You make the most of it by letting your conversation with unbelievers, first of all, having them. First of all, having conversations with unbelievers. I heard about somebody that was praying to God to get them out of the place where they worked because they were the only Christian there. And they went and told their pastor, pray with me that God will get me out of there because I'd like to have a job where I work with Christians. He said, I'm never going to pray that prayer with you. He said, God has you right where he wants you to be. He said, do you realize how, how special you are for God to place you in a place where you are the only light in the place? It's a little different perspective. Let your conversation be full of grace. Greek studiers, you got to go deeper. It it means to marinate. It means that our words are marinated in something. Hey, when people usually in the world say, that person's full of 
The next word usually isn't grace, right? Have you noticed that? Man, you are full of, that is, grace isn't usually not the next word, right? Paul says, when we're out and about, let our words be full of grace. It means that the way we converse, it's like we're drenched in grace. If your conviction meter going up, mine's way up. Mine's like going, doo, doo. mine's ready to bust right now, right? right. Uh, and this is seasoned with salt. And you know what? I'm glad I looked this up because when I think of salt, I think, and I've heard this and it's true, salt makes people thirsty. Salt's a preserver. That's true. But you know what I found out? When Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, he wrote it in the, in the, and they wrote it in the Greek language, the, the classical Greek writers uh, of the hundreds of years before this, when they used, were uh, talking about somebody that has salty speech, it wasn't about like, hey, that's a salty sailor and they cuss a lot. It was, it was, it was the word wit. The, the, the word salt here, see, your word season salt, it, it's a word meaning you have this keen intelligence. Didn't Jesus have that? When Jesus talked, they tried to set him up, they tried to trap him, and then he'd say this thing and they'd be like, right? You read the parables and you're like, that's masterful. He took the whole kingdom of God that we can't even explain and, and described it like uh, throwing a net in the water. He had this keen wit about him, right? So it, mean, it means that. It means when we're talking and people listen to us, it's like they know we've been, it's like they know that, what's this, what makes this guy tick? Where do they get this from? That's the way we're supposed to talk to unbelievers. Now listen, now again, not optional. I command EU. Because when we, Yolo Gatos people, when we release out of our mouth God's good words, someone starts to work. Some people start to get encouraged because people are needing encouragement. And some people who didn't know start to know, I feel like the sun's shining down on me. Imagine if we got serious about this. Here's why commandments are important. Number one. Why I command you is important is because the need to share the love of Jesus is crucial in times like these. Huh? Oh, yes. We're all jacked up. Huh? Oh, absolutely. We're all jacked up, right? Can't avoid it. It's everywhere. It's in us. It's out of us. The need to share the love of Jesus is crucial in times like these. Why this command is so important is another reason. Here's another one, ready? Because Satan fills every vacuum where the love of Jesus is not reigning. Where the love of Jesus is, Satan can't be. And where the love of Jesus isn't, Satan is all over the place. That's why commands are so important. Here are the 
tone and the passion and spirit in the context of which Jesus says, this command I leave with you. Why Paul is saying it's imperative not and it's imperative too. Because there is a vacuum in the world, the world needs it, and Satan is bashing people's brains out. And another one is because, and I believe this, even the doubtful might be hoping out there that Jesus is truly alive today. They know 7,000 reasons why, you know, God didn't make everything and we came from some swamp somewhere or whatever. And I'm not knocking. And, and then people been in church and pastors heard them or they heard a pa- they, whatever and all this stuff. And they doubt it and they doubt it. They don't want to doubt it. They really want to believe that Jesus is really, truly alive today. And the way we can bring those dead bones to life is not by standing in front of a room going, home but by releasing good God words among unbelievers. Because when we do, someone starts working. Because when we do, someone gets stronger. Because when we do, someone who didn't know it starts to realize the sun is trying to put a light on the pathway to peace for them. You know what I found out? New Testament commands can become second nature. How do I know that? I looked it up in the gospel according to Google. And in the gospel according to Google, looking up second nature, it says, a characteristic or habit in someone that appears to be instinctive because that person has behaved in a particular way so often. I mean, you know what that means? The more we do what we do, the more we're going to do what we do. The more we talk the way we talk, the more we'll talk the way we talk. So that means if parents talk negative after church, they're going to raise up a bunch of Christian kids who are churchy and talk negative about their church. Boom! thought I'd just throw that in there. I've only watched it for 32 years. But I've also watched people who talk wonderfully about their church, wonderfully about the Lord. You know what happens? Their kids grow up. You know what they become? Trees planted in the house of the Lord, always bearing fruit in season. You know why that is? 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 Because the more you do what you do, the more you're going to do what you do. And wisdom will be justified by the children you bear. Jesus said that. If someone would be gut honest with you, with me, would they say, man, your attitude is drenched in grace. Your words are witty, enlightening, and empowering. It's just like it just happens. When you're squeezed, Jesus comes out. You are full of... Jesus said we know what we're full of. Here's what he said. He said it's about the treasure on the inside. He said, a good man brings good things out of the good what? Where? Here's how something gets in your heart. It gets in your head, and then you either chuck it out because you take seriously, don't let toxicity in. You take it seriously. You don't nurse it in your rehearsal. You chuck it out. But then when good things come, you know what you do with those? You collect them. I can't read you all this that my wife wrote me in this card. 
except she just thinks I'm awesome. So I just leave that there. And so when I do stuff, which I do a lot that's not awesome, and then she helps me out with corrective instruction, I go back to this card and go, <laughs> I can't read this one because this one's from Dev, Shelbs, and Marley, the dog. But I've had it for a long time. Oh, and here's another one from my wife. You're a wonderful husband and father. Selah. <laughs> I'll read it. No, no. I'll keep it. This from my daughter, Peach, Mace, Penny, and Blueberry. That's what we called Juju before we knew what she'd be called or he'd be called. We didn't know if she'd be a boy or a girl. So we just called her Blueberry because the sonogram picture, she looked like a blueberry. So I've called her Blueberry. Now I call her Juju Blueberry. But they wrote me this card, too, and if I read it, I'd bawl my eyes out. Like, just like when Devin writes cards, it's like I'm reading from C.S. Lewis with a heart, and it, like, kills me. So anyway, but I have them. I have them, and in moments when I feel like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, I keep these things. I treasure these things in my heart. Do you have any cards? Yeah. Hey, you know what I thought when I read all these cards? I think, hey, Tim, do you ever write any cards? Sure. You know why? Because when you have a good treasure, you bring good things out of your heart. You treasure good things in it. Good things come out of it. And how many know the world needs some good men and some good women with good treasures bringing forth good things? You know what? An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And how do you know the difference? How do you know the difference? Because they say, well, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Lutheran. I speak in tongues. I love what uh, Sean Twig put on uh, Twitter the other, or on Facebook the other day. Uh, well, it was something like, I speak in tongues, but then it says, but I also like, there you go, gossip in English. But look what Jesus said. Look what Jesus said. Does it matter what Jesus said anymore? Look, for the mouth shows what's going on in the heart. So we need help. Raise your hand, right? I need help today. Jesus, and none of us are under condemnation because there is no condemnation of those who are in Christ, but there is correction lovingly to get us to come up higher. Why? Because the world is a vacuum and Satan's beating people up, and the world is a place where churches and people are discouraged, brothers and sisters need encouraged, and people need some sunshine. We need some sunshine, right? How do we do it? It's about staying filled with the Holy Spirit and good words. Read this with me out loud. Ready? Instead, read out loud with me. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? One of my favorite writers, and uh, he's a colleague of mine, Assembly of God pastor, Mark Batterson, written a lot of, anything Mark's written, buy it and ha, get, read it, and then buy another one and give it to somebody else. His latest book's called Double Blessing, and I've never read it, but I found this quote, and I didn't want him to think I'm plagiarizing his message, Mark, I never read it yet, but we're kind of on the same track here. You're always on this track, I just found it. But anyway, um, here's what Mark said, every word of encouragement is a keepsake. Like giving words to the spirit or what oxygen is to the lungs, there are a lot of headaches and heartaches caused by a lack of life-giving words, right? The right, I love this, the right words at the right time can change the game. They can even change a life. 
This kind of living comes from a heart condition, a treasure instead of a garbage can. LOH, you and I are commissioned to connect this world of skeptics and unbelievers to this wonderful Savior that we say we know, who we say can fill up your life, feed your soul, and free you from chains. So we have a work to do. We don't have to do a million things. I'll tell you, if we did this one thing, raising people up through releasing God's good words, God's going to do something. I believe there rings a cry for evidence for the reality of Jesus, even out of the heart of the agnostics. They want it to be true. But it's up to us. It's great to pray, but we, if all we do is pray, things are going to stay the same. But if we go out led by the one who we pray to, we can raise people up. Come on, church. It's our time. I ask you to pray for me, and I pray for you, that God will open doors of opportunity for us to preach this revelation of this wonderful mystery of Jesus Christ. Pray that we all, because we're all one, would unfold and reveal fully this mystery, for that is our assignment from Jesus. Some people around your world, and be it the Thanksgiving meal and Christmas time and people you work with, they are not ready to come to church. They're not ready to come to your life group. But they might come to your life group before coming to LOH. Listen, some people aren't ready to come to the cross. But this is what the Holy Spirit's saying to me. Listen. Some people aren't ready to come to the cross, but they might be ready to cross a bridge you build with your words of kindness, encouragement, and compliments. Some people might be ready to come across a bridge before they're ready to come to the cross. And our words can build that bridge. Listen, if you forget everything else, get this one. Some people need a bridge to be built to the cross before they're going to feel compelled to kneel at the cross. Someone wants to get working through you. Someone needs strengthened through you. Someone needs to know God's Son wants to shine on them. Listen, this is a challenge to me and you right here. Listen, some of us need to stop lying to ourselves because when we lie to ourselves, we're lying to our brothers and sisters. And if we're lying to our brothers and sisters, we're lying to ourselves and we need to stop it. Some of us need to detox our tongues and our spirits. God never created any of us to carry poison of bitterness, resentment, cynicism toward everything and everyone. 
God didn't call us to keep score, even with ourselves. He never made our hearts and minds to be a garbage collector. He made our hearts and minds to be a treasure chest. So, let's go. I want you to stand, please. I want, I want, us, I want us as we close this, I want us to, you know what, I thought of this the other week when my friend Donna and Steve were here. Now listen, listen, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, very important. I thought to myself, I heard this in my mind. The greatest missionary in the world is the Holy Spirit. The greatest missionary strategist in the world is the Holy Spirit. And if we allow him to fill us, he will send us to these God moments that we don't even know we're in sometimes. Sometimes we'll know we're in them. Sometimes we won't know we're in them. But if we go around raising people up by the release of God's good words, God will take care of the stuff we can't do because someone is always working. Now, if you're here today and you're struggled with the toxic and you're struggling with the toxic, and we have reasons, and some of them might be valid, some of us might be carrying deeply hurtful words spoken even from brothers. The hardest thing to get over is when a Christian brother or sister stabs you. And you know what else is hard for them to get over? When I stab them. And if you're hurting and you hurt, you're struggling, and you're here and you're beaten down by heavy words spoken by the enemy into your soul, and you've prayed to God for a million times, a million times to be able to go back and just in that moment keep your mouth shut instead of what you said. And you can't go back, but you can go up. If you're heavily beaten down and you're honest about some toxicity in your tongue, in your heart, and you want the garbage to go, the good news is Jesus Christ does not condemn you. Jesus Christ does not look down on you. He does not deal with us as our sins deserve, but he is filled with loving kindness. And he will wash that away. He will free you from the junk. You can empty the garbage can today and let the blood of Jesus turn your heart back into a treasure chest he created you to be. He's come here today and made you come here today, whether you knew it or not, to set you free from that. And here's what I'm going to ask everyone to do in this room today. As many as you can, as many who can, and you want free from that, and you want to become somebody that speaks good words, and you want your heart to turn into a treasure because of God's mercy and grace, I want you to come up here. Here's what you do. I want you to lift your hands to the sky, and I want you to listen, 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 listen. I want you to come up here, lift your hands to the sky, and surrender to the, listen, surrender to the goodness of God. Don't push it away. Jesus, I don't care if you feel like you're the most ugliest mouth person that God ever walked on the earth. Man, he loves you and loves me. He loves you. He loves me. Listen, the moment you walk, the moment you turn, the garbage starts going away, and he starts saying, fill that man. I resist the proud, I give grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and let the tender mercy of Jesus come on you. Jesus, I pray 
that as I close, you open the altars here, the altars of our heart, and you heal people from toxicity. We don't, we don't want to be that way. We want to raise people up. We want to be blessings. God, I pray this message, this series, would change our world, change our city, change our families, change our church, change our lives. And today we would walk out of here on a mission. Little things that can change us forever can appear out of the blue right here and right now. When we use this power, you are going to release your power. Release it today to those who raise their hands to heaven and say, God, I'm here to receive your goodness. As the team leads us, it's your time, my time, for the goodness of God. In Jesus' name.